history, potentially, awaits Tim Walsh and Australia's women's rugby seven side in the coming weeks. Already, the reigning champions of World Rugby Women's Seven Series and the recently completed Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, Australia's women will look to seal a momentous treble when they head to the 2022 Rugby World Cup Sevens in Cape Town next week. In conversation with ESPN's Brittany Mitchell, Walsh reflected on getting past familiar foes Fiji and New Zealand on the way to winning Australia's first ever Commonwealth Gold in Women's Sevens and how the side is shaping ahead of the World Cup. He opens up on both the evolution and journey of himself as a coach, as well as Australia's Rugby Sevens apparatus in both the men's and the women's, and the players that have made their mark on it. And there's plenty more beyond that, including an explanation of the phenomena of something called crunning. Crying and running at the same time. But first, Walsh reflected on Birmingham, and revealed if he got a medal. Yeah, it was it's it was um it was pretty special actually. I think um the pinnacles obviously the Olympics, but the emotion that um, you get from putting all that work in and then seeing it come to fruition is always, is always I think the biggest influence for me is seeing the um the effect it has on on the people you work with and how how much it means to them and that's it's just it's really contagious. Um and to to see them um to see them win um and see the emotion just sort of um heightens everything um but yeah i mean it's you can't i don't think when you win something it's never really it's never by fluke it's always by by following the right process and uh and working working extremely hard so um yeah i think that's where the emotion comes from is it yeah it uh it all comes to comes to um uh the pointy end where where you get to say you're a winner or where you came second or whatever and you get to say you're a winner so it's pretty um yeah it's a it's a feeling it's very tough to be mm. uh, i think there's a, a bit of a rumor that the coaches don't actually get a medal themselves is that true that's not a rumor that's very <laughs> true yeah <laughs> it's actually one of the number one questions i i got asked after um after rio was like the medal and i said no no it's just uh it's just the players um which i totally agree with by the way it's um um it's a player's game and i think it's the memories that uh, that you really take away with you it's not the it's not the um the hardware um but it's actually it's quite nice when you when you go to do speaking events or something like that to have it there um so i, I do borrow them off the girls <laughs> sometimes when uh when they're when they're needed but um yeah player player's game um um, so there's no medal hanging up in my in my uh, in my uh, office, but um, plenty of memories and uh, and a jersey or two. Well, it's, it's quite funny because you you talk to ex-athletes who've won gold medals, and you know it's where do you keep it? And I've heard some weird stories. Some of them keep them in shoe boxes and sock drawers, and so you know it's it's a funny enough thing that it's sort of as though it holds pride of place for them anyway. No, I mean yeah, it's it's a nice to have, I reckon. Like, honestly, it's, it's the, it's the cherished memories that, that really mean stuff. And even after a tournament, you know, you win the big cup or whatever, and it, you often find the cup left in the dressing room um, and everybody's, you know, enjoying each other's company and, you know, and just that, that's the, uh, the contagious and the infectious thing opposed from the actual, the actual hardware. It's just a material thing, but um, 
yeah, it does. It looks it looks great in photos, and um, and it and years and years to come when you when you're either you know at home with your kids or you're walking into Rugby Australia and there's the there's the uh, the evidence or the or the memories up there. So it, it jogs it. So that, no, there's definitely a place for them. Absolutely, um, they're very nice. But yeah, some people yeah they'll leave them in underwear drawers and and wherever. Some people don't know where they are. <laughs> Uh, well, back to that Commonwealth Games journey. Obviously, the the, the tournament kicked off. You, you couldn't have a, a better start to a tournament, really. Um, a clean sheet in the first two games, really convincing wins until you hit Fiji, who have been, a, I guess, the last 12 months would be the problem side almost, you could say, for this women's team. Um, went down in, in that last pool match. What was the feeling within the dressing room after that, knowing that your journey had taken a different direction, you were coming up against the Silver Ferns in the semi-final and, you know, it could be, this could be it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, we are joking before the tournament that, you know, you, you, we're going to be playing in a in a semi-final. It's just like, who, who is it? Who is it going to be if it's, you beat Fiji, it's Canada or England if you lose, and it's going to be, be New Zealand. And um, like New Zealand and Australia, particularly in my in my history as a coach, is we've always had massive uh, massive battles. So it was like it would be nice to beat them in a semi final <laughs> to knock them out, but that wasn't the plan, absolutely. And uh, look, Fiji, I think are the danger side. Honestly, I think they've got tremendous talent and a, and a style of play that isn't really rivaled by by many teams. Um, and in in addressing the the situation before and after, there was a lot of um, post traumatic stress, I think, from the Olympics. And it, you know, we're a very we're a vulnerable team in terms of how we communicate. And there was there is that that um, going into it, and they certainly were affected by it as well. Like it, we played terrible, um, and the positive was we still had a chance to win it, but we couldn't have played you know much worse in that tournament. So we had to sorry, in that match. And we had to, um, you know, face that and then come up with a way that was for us to play without fear. Like we're a process-driven, performance-based team. And we have to, you know, enjoy that and embrace it and, and follow our process. So it was basically, I think it was almost a blessing in terms of that we got that out of our, out of our system. And then when we played New Zealand, it was just, um, you know, playing without fear and just, you know, throwing everything at it. And I think it was a huge step for us as a team as well to, to have that adversity and then still turn around and and uh, and go and win it. But, I mean, that's the beauty of sport, but the beauty of sevens. Like, you know, we could be sitting here coming third, having lost to Fiji and then lost to New Zealand. And it's a bit of, um, from our point of view or from the, from the public, it's a bit of a disaster for us, really. But they found a way to win. You know, who would have thought down a player, a scrum against New Zealand and um, Faithy Nathan and makes that tackle and all of a sudden the game's over and we've won. Now, now we're gold medalists. But it quite, a bit, quite, quite easily could have gone the other way. But that's, you know, that's the difference, I think, between, um, you know, good and great teams is that they, they find a way. And I, and I believe this team's um, just, uh, just turned the corner to... Um, you know, to being able to play with consistency. Oh, we'll wait and see anyway at the World Cup. <laughs> well, uh, you went on to play the Silver Ferns, who, as you mentioned, 
you know, whenever you guys come across each other, they're they're fierce battles and they're incredible games to watch. The lead up to that game, how do you get, you know, you've you mentioned there was a bit of that post-traumatic stress after after what Fiji did at the Olympics. Now at the Com Games, you you lose your your final pool match. You're coming up coming up against the Silver Ferns. You know it's going to be a tight contest and you know it's going to be a big game. How do you get, you know, heads back into it and positive again? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a challenge, and I've got a very uh, a new leadership structure um, within the group, and you know, there's a lot of emphasis and responsibility um, for them, and then a really good staff group as well that can read read the room um, and sort of deliver what sort of what sort of uh, is required at that moment. And more often than not, it's more about relaxing. It, it's taking the the um, the confidence that the work's been done. And like you, you see how that they can play absolutely brilliantly, and then some games play poorly. So it's not like it's a you're poor players, you're great players. So it's, it's that mental state and um, all that preparation, all the combinations and cohesion you get within a team. So it's instilling that. Um, so we use use different different methods, um, and sometimes at certain moments it's about what's going to relax the team right now or get them to that point where. Their, their optimum, you know, the cortisone levels are, are right where they need to be. They're not too far down falling off a cliff or they're not too too lethargic. So we do a lot of practice leading into a tournament around game times, uh, who we're playing, what your personal um, uh, preparation is and, and what it looks like. So a lot of, you know, journaling and, and understanding of who you are as an individual and who we are as a team. And we continue to do that. So, you know, we, we reviewed that tournament as if we lost it. You know, it's not like... You know, we were sitting there going, yep, great, excellent. We're the best. Get on with it. Like, we review everything the way, you know, win, lose, or draw. We review it the same. So um, it was more about relaxing and playing without fear. So it was more of a feel-good um, change room um, and really bringing, bringing the energy. And that might mean that um, staff have to do something stupid or out of the ordinary that's going to, you know, relax the group. Um or, you know, play some sort of game that sort of just takes their mind away from it for a second so they're not playing the game before they go out there. Um, yeah, but I think when we, in that warm-up, I think we knew they were on, whereas the game before against Fiji, there was there was fear there. So, you know, um, instilling confidence that they've, that they're ready. And then the final, though, I don't think, I don't think it mattered who we played in that game, we were going to win that one. I don't think they were literally unstoppable Um just the way that they were carrying themselves. I think that they grew a foot taller after the semi-final, and um, and they were ready. And they were on. Mm. Well, that's Silver Ferns game, that semi-final win. I mean, that was a spectacle in itself. It was a, a courageous game and a, a huge win. And then to back it up again with that Fiji game, you said at the time after that that gold medal win that they weren't going to be beaten, and you just said it there that there was just such a belief in the team that no one would have beaten them that day. And it was almost, you couldn't get a more perfect game out of them in that gold medal match. Yeah, it was a, it was a great, I mean, the start wasn't great when the kick almost went <laughs> backwards. That was, that was planned to go into the deep right corner and and uh, Shani can laugh at it now, but it didn't go tense. It wasn't the best start. And then, um, but defensively is where you win, is where you win, uh, win tournaments. And they were, I think they had that, uh, that physicality that, 
that intent and that desire to to really work for each other, which sort of set it up. And then within any sort of big game, there's always there's always that pressure, you know, whether it be one player or two players or three players. And then uh, with the Fijians, it was, um, you know, there's a, a couple of little uncharacteristic unchar- ca- errors and then we we capitalised on them. And then um, we know we're always going to finish strong as well. But I think, you know, we were that far ahead. You know, four tries is probably the magic number within, within sevens, three is always the danger one because they score next, so the, you know, you start to tighten up. But once we were four tries up, it was, um, I think it was a, it was a, it was a done game. Um, but, you know, they kept fighting and they kept winning restarts, um, which is a, you know, a big work on for us. But um, yeah, they, that, yeah, they were, they were certainly ready to go out there and, uh, and, and win a gold medal for Australia. And the celebrations, I can only assume they were huge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, we, I, yeah, I, yes, they were, they were, but in a in a very professional manner, absolutely. I think um, the girls do do work extremely hard, and um, and they're, they're young women, and they and they deserve to to go and celebrate um, with each other, with family, and uh, and with the whole environment. But um, look, we had a wonderful little village where we were. Um, the Australian crew looked after us incredibly well, and um, you know we repaid them with uh, with the performance, but also um, some behaviour that was uh, very professional and um, and um, and fun. And then, of course, we we flew back straight away. Um, we're on to the next the next job, really. So we've got the World Cup to go, and then and then a little break. So I think um, our major celebration will probably be at the end of the season because we're uh, yeah very very motivated to 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 finish it strong and uh, and, and hopefully make some history. Mm. I, I think one of the one of the big things that came out once you guys came back to Australia, a few of the girls were doing all their media media jobs and uh one of the words that came out was crunning uh crying while running and I think a lot of people have felt that feeling before but it's just really interesting to hear from these athletes that you know it's something that happens quite regularly yeah very regularly and it's it's because of how hard we train them like um I think I mean I've been coaching the women you know, for 10 years and obviously had that stint with the men as well, but crying was always an emotional release. And it was, um, we didn't say embraced it, but it was a, it was a, it was a positive. So it wasn't a don't cry. It was a great sort of um, vulnerability. And if you need to cry, then, then, then let it out. But you have to understand that how hard these, these girls work. Um, like sevens is a pretty brutal game with the, with the contact side of things, but it's not really the conduct. It's the actual, fatigue and the lactic acid and the repeat speed and it really does um build up and when you have to to be the best you basically have to push yourself to that point you know many times a week which is probably most days um so it, that's where the, the crunning is um and they certainly have embraced it in there you know there was a point where they were fearing it and you know not embracing it but now they're, they're they are embracing it and they're wanting they're wanting more and they can see where where it's taking them and where it's taking our team as a as a um yeah as a, well as an organization but as a um as a winning team so um i don't think it'll stop and it is a it is a bit of a um a, you know a, a cliche or a, an anecdote but it, it really does exist um 
and uh, it's purely because of where we put them where and and where they put themselves by by embracing it we we call it the darkness um that we want to but you know at the darkest point is when the light comes so it's that's what we you know we want to be there and work hard and drag everybody else in there and then we know that we're gonna we're gonna see the light in in, in a big way and that's for example winning winning a commonwealth games gold medal and this squad it's uh it's a really good mix of you know these young girls coming through but you still got those girls from you know have seen success in Rio have gone through quite a lot um you got Charlotte Kadzik, Demi Hayes, Shani Williams uh, they're kind of the the structure and then you've got these young girls around them uh, you know when you look at this squad and what they've achieved like how incredible is it to see just the turnaround in that 12 months yeah I think within every every team you need that that you know that sprinkling of elite experience and you cannot get much better than or you can't get better than Charlotte Kaslick like she's the world's best player and longevity Shani Williams as well like you got two incredible role models and mentors and then you've got filtering down through you know Demi um Dominic de Toy and then you got all these players that are, are coming up through who have probably came in at a pretty tumultuous time um through COVID and then an Olympic so-called failure and for them to um, learn from that and bounce back. And then you've got this wonderful um, combination of, um, you know, experience or world-class experience, really good solid experience. And then this vibrant youth um, with experience coming through. So um, it, it is a, it is a really good mix and that in our leadership group, that's where we've, uh, manage that as well so we've sort of redesigned that and we have um the the monarch which is shani the empress which is charlotte and then the queen demi and the princess um maddie maddie ashby so there's a real sort of you know group there that um represent different parts of um of the team uh, and offer you know a really great array of um of leadership skills and skills that they that they then um deliver to the rest of the team and 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 they thrive Mm. Uh, you you touched on Charlotte Kadlik, and I think uh, she's probably someone that you could talk forever about. Uh, she's an incredible athlete. Uh, she's been the face of this sevens team for quite a long time now. And I think uh, leading into the Com Games, you I think you labelled her a phenom, uh, and she is. She's uh, what she's managed to achieve, and uh, just the athleticism that you get out of her it's quite incredible and you could label her as one of Australia's best ever athletes what she's done is um as I said just incredible and what she's done for the game itself for the girls coming through sevens you you could almost pinpoint her being one of the major attributes to that yeah look I've been obviously involved with Charlotte for a long time and and the and the team and she amazes me all the time. Like she's um, a beautiful soul, but an ultimate competitor and a freaky athlete. And she's she's driven and committed to 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 rugby sevens. And um, yeah, it's a real sort of honour to see her, you know, as a seventeen year old, and then develop through into into the woman she is today. But on your point there, I, I think you know Charlotte has done so much for the game um, off the field, and not not just not just rugby sevens, but for female sport. Um, I think she's one of the best athletes full stop that I've ever 
been able to play with or so I didn't play with it, but that I played with or been able to coach. And I'll never forget the uh, the Rio 2016 um, campaign, but there was this one moment in that game where we're playing against the USA and one of the USA girls was um, flying down the sideline. You know, she was quick and she's, she's a big girl, like 80 odd kilos and she was flying. And then on the screen, you just see this flash of goals sort of come out of the, come out of the corner of the screen. And it's this lean, fake tanned, ribbons in her pigtails, you know, just like effortly cruising across the field. And she just shouldered this tackle and just absolutely hammered uh, Victoria was out into the touchline. She jumped up before the other girl had even taken a breath. She threw a pigtail over her shoulder and just like walked back into position like she was on a catwalk. And it was just like a moment where you're just like, oh my God, that's just shifted a whole perception of, of contact sport within, within the world I, you know, at the time that I thought. And then off the back of that, so many things started to happen in contact sport. You know, NRLW kicked off straight away. AFLW kicked off straight away. And, you know, I think that gold medal had a, was a bit of a catalyst to it and changing perceptions around, around women in, in contact sport, in, in oval sport. And um, ever since then, you know, all the codes, all the public, everyone's just taken off. And it's so, so good to see. And I, and I truly believe Charlotte has a, and Rugby Australia for actually, you know, being able to put um, that, that system in place and, and, and get those players out there. But I think she had a big, a big influence on, uh, on, on the growth and the, and the, the perceptions within, uh, within sport. Mm, definitely. Well, I mean, I go to my own rugby trainings during the week and, and play with my own team and, and the young girls there, um, they can't speak highly enough of Charlotte there she's the inspiration and and the reason a lot of these young girls turned to rugby and and picked up the rugby ball yeah I yeah I think uh, and, you know I'm not it's not just Charlotte but the whole you know like every you know Sarah and, and Portia in, in, in New Zealand all all around the world um yeah it's just a very uh, exciting time to be in rugby um but it, you know but in a in in a growth of um of sport, but um, yeah, like the Emma Tonegados and uh, Emily Cherries, um, Shannon Parrys, they you know they all they all had a major major influence um, on it. But I think yeah, Charlotte for for her athletic ability and who she is, is certainly uh, certainly a leader and a, and a pioneer in that space. That, that you know I think we can all um, you know use her as a as an inspiration and uh, and a bit of a game changer. Mm. Well, if we go back to your playing days, you obviously were on the field 15s and 7s. When you look at the way the game has evolved, what's the difference now? What do you see in the game that's that's changed it? Um, the athletic um, capabilities of, um, of of the game, like because of the, the science behind it, um, I think we went too far one way. We were initially were very sort of skill based and and resilient and just just playing, and then we went very very science and just bigger, faster, stronger, not not more skillful and smarter. So we came this um, just huge and quick and um, probably not as fit. Um, and that's where I saw a bit of a an opportunity actually that we wanted to be the smartest, fittest, you know, sort of strongest team. Um, but now we're sort of going. Now it's, I think it's panned out a little bit now, where you haven't got the SNCs running running the actual programs. You got 
coaches and SNCs are working together. So now you've got these freaky athletes who are finely tuned. Um, so they are quicker, stronger, fitter, and they're skillful. So the decision-making and the, and the contact and everything like that is just gone to a whole new level, you know? So um, I, you know, I think um, for me to be playing now, I reckon I'd, I'd probably struggle, um, you know, this, this physically, um, they're just a different, yeah, a different level. It's a, I think it's a, I think it's a higher, it's a higher standard, not a higher skill. It's a higher standard of, uh, of speed and contact and, uh, and it's just by being professional and using all the technology that, that, um, that's available. Mm. And you moved to coaching. Uh, you took on the, the women's sevens coaching role in, in 2013. What kind of drew you into taking on coaching? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think these top rugby players or these top athletes can make that transition and it'll be easy, but there's a lot that goes on to, to being a coach. Yeah, um, it wasn't easy and it wasn't planned either. Like literally, I was in I was in Italy um, finishing off my rugby career and I was offered the women's job and I said, no, um, I don't really want to coach women. Um, didn't really want to coach, to be honest. So I stayed another year in Italy drinking Prosecco and eating pizza in my piazza. And then um, they offered me a job um, to come back and coach both the men and the women. And it was, I was retired, so I was like, okay, I'll... Um, I'll come back to Australia and, you know, it was great. I walked into a job and, and I could see where I wanted to go with it. And within six months, um, you know, the, the, the desire to coach the women's team was, was huge um, for the reasons that we discussed before is the impact that you could have on the game and hopefully on, on sport. Um, and then the different challenges on how I looked at coaching, it wasn't about, you know, this is how you pass and this is how you kick. Well, that's a very big part of it. But when you've been playing rugby for, you know, nearly 25 years, they sort of they become a little bit uh, easier. So it was all around, you know, building a program, building a team, building motivation, combinations, using technology. That's all. It was like basically running a business in um, in sport, which is a game I loved. So that was, that was what drew me into it. And then, again, offside of that is that, the impact you could have um, on on a, on people's lives, but on on um, on the sevens program within Australia, I thought it was like wow, what a what an honour and a privilege to be able to to be part of that. And then um, yeah, the rest I guess was it was history. We went on and played really well, won some tournaments, and won a won a gold medal and broke a record out here at Sydney in in 2018. Um, so that's sort of yeah, how I got into it, but I didn't really. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. I studied a few degrees and, and done a whole heap of different things um, and uh, sort of ended up here. But yeah, I absolutely love it. And um, yeah, very, very privileged to be able to, well, firstly coach the women's team and then coach the men's team. And now to be coaching the women's team again to, to success, I have to pinch myself sometimes and think, yeah, wow. And a part of that, when you when you took over this coaching role, there was that pathway to gold program that Rugby Australia inter- implemented, trying to unearth athlete, female athletes from around the country and bring them into this program. That's where we got, you know, Elia Green. She was transitioned from sprinting into um, the sevens team, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of these girls, Charlotte Kazlicks and such, who were touch players that were transitioned into rugby players. When you look back at that and that that pathway that the evolution that that 
what that produced. It, it's it, it's incredible. Yeah, it was um it was a, basically a blank canvas, and there were, there were two guys that were really instrumental in that with Dave Nusafor and Anthony Eddy. Um, and David is now well, he's been at Ireland Rugby for six years, you know, and taking them to a whole new dimension of uh, of success. And and he and Anthony had a had a pretty strong vision, which they instilled in into me. And they're the ones that actually recruited me um, to the program and and you know pushed me in, in that direction. But they um they certainly kicked it off, and that was their the pathway to gold was their uh, their initiative. Um, and that was right where we picked up. I think um, we picked up Elliot Grant. We picked up an Olympic gold medalist. We picked up four girls that went on to play for Australia. Um, didn't get to the Olympics, and then there's some very heavy recruiting around, again around the vision of of what's going to be a, a team that's going to win, what's going to be a competitive advantage. So all the other countries pretty much just took their 15s players and turned them into sevens players, whereas we went a completely different way and thought, okay, how are we going to win? What's going to be a game changer here? So going down that that line of you know skillful awareness fit um strong and 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 recruiting those, those players so if you look at a game of sevens what are the key elements you know the error skills the kicking the passing so you okay we need some someone from the track we need someone from touch we need someone from rugby league we need someone from rugby union and then just well basketball aerial skills like club dalton um so yeah there's a heap of different different um sports got them all in together and then the hard bit, I guess, was to try and get them all to understand the game. And that the first year of, I guess, coaching, I was assistant coach the first year, that was 2012. We always we'd had like two just six different groups of learning different, trying to pan out to where everyone's at the same level of understanding before we could all go into in together. Um yeah, and they picked it up very quickly, which was uh, a testament to the recruitment, but also the the athletes that um that were involved. And then, of course, you went on to win that Olympic gold medal in Rio, which I, I don't think there's many people that could forget that moment. And again, another huge clash with New Zealand went down to the wire. Um, unforgettable game and unforgettable scenes, really. Yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah, very very special memory. I think even in that in that dressing room before the game, we knew we weren't going to lose that one. And I think actually we were winning twenty four. 12 or 24 10 so we, we were and back then it was 10 minute halves in the finals so we actually the last three or four minutes we were you know we sort of knew knew we knew we'd won it um and they won that you know in pretty emphatic fashion i thought um and uh yeah i think it was on a tuesday morning at 8 a.m in australia so you pretty much had a pretty a peak audience you know during the olympics australia v new zealand final so it was a it was better than expected um but just the, that whole Again, you know, very much a, everything we 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 um, we do is about preparation. Is preparing to be our best, so the outcome will take care of itself. So I think we prepared so well in so many different ways, and had a very good system around what was going to, um, yeah, again, give us a competitive advantage. Um, and we stuck to that, and we just kept on um, improving it and, and believing in it. And um, you can speak to any one of those players. I think they. You know, I know it's, it's easy to say now because you won, but they actually believed it, like that they were going to go there and win. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then they did. And then I think it's I think the Olympic gold medal always is the pinnacle and it's always like the one that everyone talks about. And I guess I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you if we didn't win the Commonwealth Games gold medal. So you get to tell these stories, which is kind of cool. 
but the 2018 um, tournament in out here in Sydney um, was my last with with the girls for for that um, um, era, and we we scored 213 points for the whole tournament and didn't concede one point, and we beat New Zealand in the final 33-0, and that to me was like the best. Like it was, it was defensively where this you know we were always targeted as a weak touch team you know from a physical point of view and then at home with the added um the added pressure of playing at sydney um and they were just unbelievable like i uh, it's it's always sort of glazed over but that that to me was one of the most um memorable uh, rugby performances i've ever seen from um from the sevens program mm. uh as you mentioned that was your last uh, tournament coaching these girls. Uh, you also went to the Com Games where they lost in that grand final to New Zealand again. You know, it, they come up all the time. But at what stage in those last few years, post the Olympics, heading into the Com Games, did you have that realization that you wanted to move on? You wanted to take on new new challenges. It was um sort of it was a, a thought post the Olympics. It was just sort of like okay, where what's the, what can, what can we achieve now? What can we do that's going to be f- challenging me and, and being fair to everybody else as well? Um, and then it was like, okay, well, we've just won. How can we can leverage that? How do we sustain it? Like that's a you know, hard thing to do. So I was like, okay, definitely want to um, be able to see how the team, the program, how everyone manages it post the Olympics. Um, so that was um, that was the decision there, and then it got to a point where I'd been the coach for nearly in the program nearly six years, head coach for five. Um, a young family is like, what's you know, like what's the right thing to do? And a lot of the girls hadn't had anyone else coach them apart from me, and I wanted to keep growing. So it was a it was a decision that okay, let's um, uh, I resigned from the job, and we were looking at other options, um, you know, overseas or or, or anywhere, and. Uh, Anyway, the way it all panned out, um, it came about that uh, that I was offered the the men's role there, and then as a family, we sort of sort of spoke about it and what was the what was the best thing. So, ended up in the in the men's role. Mm. What was that transition like? You you mentioned earlier that the women's program there's a lot more, I guess, emotion or people are. Uh, feel more comfortable to be emotional in a women's program that transition from not not even just that standpoint but from a highly successful women's program to a men's program that over the last few years have struggled to find success what was that transition like to move into there yeah it was a lot harder than I anticipated to be honest and that that was the the challenging part of it was that the men's program has always been, um, you know, the little brother of um, of the of the rugby world, you know. Uh, and then with the women, it was the opposite. The sevens program was well, well, it was actually wasn't, but it was put up there as the as the um, the pinnacle or the flagship in that game. So it was a whole different environment, which I really wanted to challenge myself on to to try and um, get that get that program to a point where it becomes positioned differently. And we'll certainly getting it to that to that point but that was the 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 challenge I guess was like basically working off a, off an oily rag or something and you know trying to make it um competitive and successful and, and how to integrate it with with rugby Australia for for development retention um yeah so that was the way 
the way that I, uh, the way that I took it. And then, uh, yeah, wanted to implement and I, anything takes, takes time. And it was certainly, um, it was tumultuous from, uh, from different angles, you know, politically. And then, um, you know, the team that I loved so much was right next door. And, you know, there was, um, the team was actually, the, t- the men's team won in Sydney as well. So it was uh, probably a bit difficult there as well from, um, from a player point of view. So it, it, it took time. And then um, uh, I think after a couple of years, we were, we were third on the ladder. And then uh, we sort of consistently come on the, in the top four, and then COVID hit, and then we got depleted uh, um, again. So it was an it was an incredible time to to try and hold on to a program or head coach a program during COVID. I think it was um I mean, it was a tough time for everyone. I'm not crying uh, crying poor here. It's just for everyone, it was tough. Um, but it was uh, yeah, it was challenging and it was fun. And, and we sort of took a as a team, we took a um, a an attitude because the only thing we could really choose is how we're going to react to this. So we had to um, react in a way that was going to be positive and, and we had a choice. So we, um, we actually we were in um, Munich for a preparation for the qualifier for the Olympic qualifier. And we, I took all the team to one of the, um, I think it was Dachau, one of the concentration camps. And then we, I bought them all the book man search for meaning. So we, uh, we read that and then little did we know that three months later, within that book because sort of became our, um, our COVID Bible. So it's like, you know, you, you can have a, you can have a choice here on how we, on how we react. Um, that's one of, one of our freedoms, you know, our attitude. So attitude was to, to be positive around it and, and, and um, make the most of it. You know, so got to that and then in, onto, onto Tokyo. Um, we, uh, we didn't, uh, it's in sport, right? You're defined by your result. So, um, we came seventh, which was in everyone's eyes was a, was a failure. Um, and it was, you know, I think we were obviously disappointed because we were, we wanted there to win and we probably didn't play to our best. So of course we're going to be disappointed, but, um, they improved from the last Olympics. Um, they were currently third in the world. Um, and, uh, it was, they were moving on in a direction that was going to be really positive for the future. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then we went into the, into the new season and um after after covid and then um yeah we went to dubai and then we swapped (laughs) well i think we can't go over the last few years without mentioning covid and and you mentioned it, it was a very difficult tumultuous period and it was for a lot of people in a lot of different ways um sport especially uh hit hard but rugby australia were obviously seem to be struggling the most and the sevens program and a lot of the women's programs were were kind of the first to feel the cuts and the the women's sevens program were almost a little more safe they had some money coming from the AIS whereas the men didn't Um, it would have been very hard to keep heads up and keep you know the system going knowing that the olympics are coming up but you know who knows when you're playing again where's the money going to come from how do you keep how do you keep going when everything is so up in the air yeah i think we're going to be a very resilient uh, group um from that and it was we did we lost a lot of players we lost nearly all the staff but they're a core group of um of players there that are still here now 
that are getting the the rewards from from their commitment um and it was like every week we'd be discussing different things and you know how are we going to do it and what was our motivation and um yeah there are some some dark times and some really fun times as well like you know when you when you are doing like we were we had one-on-one sessions so I was on the field for nine hours with you know different different players then we when we got to five then we got to got to ten and then we couldn't find a team because we didn't have uh, enough players and you know we so we developed our own competition and we it was it was yeah it was awesome I, I'm it was so so proud of um the group and you know of myself to how we how we got through that and how we got ourselves to the to the start line in in pretty good in pretty good shape um um so yeah i'd never ever look back at that and go it's a failure or it's a flop or whatever for, for what for what that group did as a as a team i think it's really put us in good stead for for just being resilient for the future and and also um also now for for like watching some of those boys win in london recently i was just so ecstatic like the nick maloose and the hutchies and the joshy turners and, and moz they've um you know they they committed and, and they knew that this was going to be their time like there was a lot of you know new zealand players retiring south africans retiring and other programs were capitulating but we had this core group that were really gonna um you know this is their time to shine kind of thing so it was um it was so good to see them um up there on the on the podium and um i think there's a there's a there's a lot more to come for them Hmm. Uh, we touched on the Olympics and, uh, as you mentioned, seventh, a lot of people see that as a bit of a failure. But off-field, there was obviously quite a bit of media storm, really, post the Olympics, um, stories coming out about bad behaviour inside uh, the Olympic Village, um, stories about the the plane ride back to Australia and uh, people getting drunk, things like that. What were you, what was your take on everything that that happened and and the blowout that came about? Yeah, look, I was really really disappointed with um with the whole way that was handled. like it's it's crisis management, so we've got to uh, manage that as well. but you've got these um or false stories for one, but you've got these, you know, kids coming home from an event where they're getting slated about their performance, which they didn't, they didn't perform badly. Um, and now they've got to st- stick in, in quarantine for, for, for two weeks, you know, and that's, and that's staff as well. So um, that was really hard. Um, and I think even going into the Olympics, it was a, a, um, a consideration is that, you know, we're going to put mental health first Um and that's you know you, it's a, it's around it's around performance too like you know say so not putting performance second but mental health is really important for for performance but you know take all that into consideration that all, you know it's five year wait they put all their eggs in this in this basket they made a lot of commitments and it's like okay right you know they they come home from the Olympics and don't perform they're going to be stuck in quarantine for two weeks it's like that's a that's a pretty um it's a big ask or it's a pretty mental mentally strong um thing for someone to be able to do and actually the AOC were unbelievable in in the way that they did um, manage that in different um, protocol they had a lot of studies into it so it was actually um, uh, well managed from that point of view but when you got the storm of uh, of all that political stuff going on and a lot of it um, as I said very very false um, and they can't do anything about it it's it's pretty hard on them um, 
So yeah, it, I was I was um, pretty disappointed with the way that they were they were targeted um, for it. And yes, you know there were parts of it where we could have behaved better, um, but for the most part, um, as any young young team or young men or women, um, they were great. Like within the village, they were exceptional. Um, they were very well received. Um, we engaged all the other sports in our jersey presentations and and everything. It was fantastic. So within the village, it was all all fabricated, all nothing there. Um, on the on the plane the way home, there are a lot of sports there, all uh, having a drink together, which was just blown out of proportion. But um, yeah, we could have behaved better there. But in the village and representing Australia in that point of view, it was it was a, a great experience for for everybody. Hmm. And obviously, you were there with the men alongside the women. When you watch from the sideline and and what happened with the women's team falling short, I guess a, a lot of people um, they expect the best out of this team. Now they they went to Rio and they won gold and they've you know accomplished quite a lot. They head to the Olympics. A lot of people. Um, maybe not so much fans that watch them every week, but people who come and go were expecting the best out of this team to go for that gold again. And, and um, when they fell short, there was obviously a lot of people quite disappointed. When you watched from the sidelines and, and saw what happened, what did you see within their program? And, and how did you feel, you know, seeing it all happen? Yeah, obviously disappointed. I hate to see Aussies lose, whether it be hockey or netball or or rugby. But yeah, that the, the team has a particular, um, you know, space in my in my heart that uh, you know I want to see them see them do well. But my focus was was on the men's team and um, not the women. Obviously, I was very disappointed. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it, I guess it's hard to watch. But in in a when unless you're really involved right in it, it's very hard to to understand, you know, the, or the expectations and that that team, the expectations were to win, which is you know, so to come fifth, it, it's got to hurt. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of pressure there that the girls that team wasn't wasn't ready for for various different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, to, to sustain it is um, you know is a very a very hard thing to do and I think um, some teams do it really well some teams not so well um, and you know I think the vision for the future is that 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 the the women's program is is sustained you know continually at, at the top you know being on the podium and we're always going to get ding-dong battles with New Zealand and sometimes they're going to win and sometimes we're going to win and I think Fiji are going to come in there the British won't be too far behind the French um, so yeah our vision is to always be on the podium um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, learning from from those from those times. But I think you know, the COVID was just a, a false economy for for every just for so many businesses, sport, anything. Um, so yeah, it was hard to it was hard to watch. But you look at the positive, what they've taken out of that uh, as individuals and as players has probably set them up for where they are now. Mm. One of the big talking points leading into the Olympics was the non-selection of Elia Green, which I guess ultimately led to her leaving or well, retiring from sevens. You were there when she joined the program originally. To see her go 
was it does is it a big loss or we yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm biased to Ilya. <laughs> like, I'm uh, still very close to her. And um, yeah, she was an enigma. She was just, she just set the set the game on fire and the impact she had on people on the game uh, well, it was fantastic. But again, I'm not, I'm not um, analyzing the, the team and the cohesion and the combinations and, and her, her form um, to really warrant a comment on whether she should have been selected or not. My biased opinion is always to pick her because she loves, you put her out in the big stage and she performs. That's the way I always picked her. You know, if she wasn't informed, but I just know in the big event, she's, she rises and just embraces it. But um, yeah, I, look, you know, she if she's not playing well or she's not fit, then it's hard to pick her. Mm, definitely. Well, post the Olympics, obviously there was... Rugby Australia internal review and uh, they made the decision to switch coaches, uh, bring you back to the women's program, take John Menenti over to the men's and you transitioned again back to the women's program. Was there this time around, what was the challenge coming in, going back to the women's program? Um, I actually found it really easy. Um, I think I don't know. Like when I walked in here and did an opening address. It was um, it didn't feel like I'd been gone for that long. There are obviously a lot of new faces, um, but it it, it felt um, it was yeah, it was pretty easy. And um, it did a quick sort of review or a bit of an audit on the on the like more from an insider part from the outside because they work next door, so there was things that you could see, but you know, really get into it. So um, yeah, had a, just made some some changes there and how we trained, when we trained, who we trained against, the leadership structure, um, our injury surveillance and all different sort of different processes that um, were pretty quick actually. And then, um, yeah, I think as well, like I said, what the players learned from the Olympics and then for some of them, just having another another year of rugby under their belt was, was certainly uh, beneficial for, for me and the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, we went to to Spain and um, came third. Then we won. Then we beat New Zealand. They were back back in Langford. And yeah, I actually, it's been really yeah. I love my job, both of them. But it's been really enjoyable, and yeah, I haven't found it too difficult. But I think I've got really good, really good people around me, and then a really good um, players and leadership. And you know, referring to Shani and Charlotte and uh, and Demi. Um, you know, who I didn't unpass, I guess, which made it a whole lot easier. And I think when you've got the best player in the world um, who respects you as a coach and and uh, and wants to learn, um, it becomes very uh, infectious and contagious to everybody else. And I think uh, they all learn off each other and um, and love playing with each other. So it's uh, it's a it's a good it's a good little environment at the moment. But again, the the challenge is to sustain it for for year on year. Mm. And uh, obviously they went on to win the World Series title as the first time in, uh, was it since 2018, um, that they won the title, uh, backed it up with Commonwealth Games gold, and, and now the big one is obviously the World Cup coming up in a few weeks. Uh, if you guys take home gold there, I think you become the first team to hold all three um, titles in a year uh, New Zealand weren't able to do it back in 2018. Is that something that's on the mind of these players that, 
you I could mean, go you on to make history? Yeah, you can't avoid it because it's always set out there. And that's, you know, you're defined by your results in sport. So we're actually embracing it. You know, we're, we, we break all our different tours and tournaments up into little campaigns. So, so this, is, this is no different. And, um, yeah, we're not afraid to, you know, to address it and go, yeah, we could. We, we, we could go out there and win. So I, I, that's the, obviously the objective, but it's the, it's the process to get to it is, is what we focus on. But um, yeah, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, trying to bury our head in the sand and, you know, not say, no, you're, no, you, that's it. We can. So we'll be courageous and, and uh, yeah, let's, let's try and be that team, you know, as if we weren't going to, but instead of, uh, you know, like n- not, you know, not embracing is like, yeah, I want that. Let's go and do it. And, uh, you know, a few weeks time now, what, how are the girls feeling? They, they must be over the moon. So confident. Yeah. Um, I think certainly winning's a habit and you sort of, you know, you get in that, in that zone. Um, and so is losing, unfortunately. Um, but I, I uh, obviously run your WhatsApp group and everything like that, but we was probably at, I think five days after just from experience, I know that, once you um you win something really big and then um you sort of come down on this high you come home and you sort of back to reality and you hit this hit this sort of low point so um you sort of track you can track what's gonna how they're going to be feeling and what's going to be happening so we sort of sent out a bit of a motivational message and and it's okay to feel like this and then but the great thing is we've got a um a world cup coming up that's going to give us a whole new whole new purpose so they came back in here and it wasn't next you know it was next job but it was day one it was day one of the next campaign and um you know awesome celebrate that but let's uh let's review this tournament in a in a way that is um is a way that we know how and um you know move on to the onto the next one which is yeah the world cup which is going to be amazing like in cape town i think they're sold out so sixty thousand. um oh wow you don't need much motivation really <laughs> Mm. they're training really well they are they're um they're, they're bouncing off walls and um it's almost curtailing the, the enthusiasm uh for a bit like yeah, i said i thought they're going to hit a hole but they don't seem to have. <laughs> well uh, i guess the, the countdown is now on only a few weeks away and it's a time for australian rugby fans to uh get back on board again we've had a little bit of a break and now we, we get back to it yeah that's right um yeah, look, they're, again, bias, uh, I don't think I am because I try and look at things that are in a holistic kind of way, but they're, they're unbelievable athletes um, and they're, they're really great people um, and they're entertaining. So um, I think they're great ambassadors for, for sport and, uh, you know, for Rugby Australia. So, um, yeah, get out, watch them, support them and, uh, and uh, rejoice in uh, and their performance. Taking place from September 9 to 11, Australia's men will be one of 24 nations and Australia's women one of 16 teams at the 2022 Rugby World Cup Sevens. The top seeds at the event, Walsh's side will commence their tournament against Madagascar on September 9 before, if everything goes to plan and disaster doesn't strike, meeting the winner of Spain's game against England the following day. You can keep track of all the action from Cape Town at ESPN.com.au and across ESPN's social media accounts, including dedicated rugby feed ESPN Scrum. But for now, 
I'd like to thank you for joining us on another edition of ESPN's Beyond the Lead, this time for a discussion between ESPN's Brittany Mitchell and Australia Women's Rugby Sevens coach Tim Walsh. I've been your host, Joey Lynch, and as a reminder, you can catch this episode, every other episode of Beyond the Lead, and indeed all of ESPN's collection of podcasts and audio goodness, including rugby podcast ESPN Scrum Reset, wherever you happen to get your bodies from. If you're enjoying Beyond the Lead, ESPN Scrum Reset, or any of those other pods, be sure to subscribe, leave a famous five-star review, and help spread the word. But for now, I'd like to thank you for joining us on another deep dive into the world of sports. And don't fret, as ESPN will be back to take you a Beyond the Lead very soon.